be to you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this celebration of the eighth Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Matthew 13. I recall just these words. He was so delighted with it that he went away, sold everything he had, and bought that field. Also, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who was searching for fine pearls. When he found a valuable pearl, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, through whom alone we enter into the kingdom of God, my beloved. How much are you worth? I mean, if you calculated all your assets, your house, all your cash, your money, savings, uh, investments, your car, everything that's in your house, how much will you be worth? Would you be well willing to sell everything? If you were willing to sell, sell all of your worth, everything, to buy one valuable object, what would it be? Before us this evening, we have another one of Jesus' word pictures or parables or illustrations. He illustrates for us once again how things are in his kingdom. What is God's kingdom? The Lord's Prayer, we say, your kingdom come. Whenever God's word is preached and people begin to believe, they are added to God's kingdom. They place themselves under his rule. We saw another one of those miracles happen this very afternoon. Paisley Grace was baptized. And so God's kingdom grew by one more person. I like it that uh, Jesus said, don't look here or there. He's, the kingdom of God is within you. You're a believer. You're a member of God's kingdom. Before us this evening, I'm going to use just two of Jesus' words picture, word pictures because there's actually three in this reading for this evening. But the uh, two that I'd like to use, they both teach us about God's kingdom. One is a man finding a great treasure and another man finding a pearl of great price. But they both have the same meaning. In the first one, the man sold everything he had and bought that field. Secondly, the merchant went away, sold everything that he had, and bought it. First of all, let's talk about the hidden treasure in a field. Because, um, I don't know about you, I don't go to the bank very often. I do everything uh, automatically, tech, uh, internet. The only time you go to the bank is if you have to open your safe box for some reason. Well, things weren't that technological back in Jesus' time. So if you had at least a little bit of wealth, what you would do is split it up three ways. You would keep one-third in cash, 
for everyday use. And you take uh, the second third and have it in um, uh, jewels, precious metals. And then you would take the other third, probably in precious metal, and you would bury it. The reason being is you'd bury it on your property. You were the only person who knew where it was buried. The reason being, at least it would be safe there. If there was a war that broke out and you had to leave, if peace then uh, was restored once again, you could come back to that property and you would know where a third of your worth was. That's why the man that uh, found this great treasure didn't own the field. Maybe the owner died. Maybe he died in war or whatever. And he just came upon this treasure unexpectedly. It was apparently of such great value that he sold everything that he had to buy the piece of property so he could have the treasure. Then we have a, a guy who came upon a pearl of great price. Perfect natural pearls are scarce and very rare, and that's why they're so valuable. You know where pearls come from? I mean, today, you know, you have synthetic pearls, but pearls come from oysters. And what they do is they seed the oysters by putting maybe a little piece of sand in there. It's an irritant for the oyster. And so that uh, organic oyster begins to secrete some what we call mother of pearl. I guess it's called knocker. And uh, it becomes a very hard, iridescent, beautiful substance. And if it rolls itself into a perfect ball, you have a perfect pearl. I thought it's kind of interesting when you take a look at the book of Revelation, this is sort of parenthetical, that the 12 gates of heaven are huge pearls. Kind of interesting, the way that you get a pearl from an oyster is, first of all, they have pain, and then the oyster has to die for you to harvest the pearl. Pain and death, you get great beauty. Maybe it's a picture, a little bit, of Jesus. You enter into the heavenly Jerusalem through the gates, through beautiful Jesus, who suffered pain and death. Now for the meaning of the illustrations. And the meaning for each illustration, the treasure and the pearl are both the same. But it's kind of interesting in doing study for this uh, section of Scripture for this weekend, I found out that, uh, that it's kind of interesting that for many, many of the parables, Jesus told his disciples the exact meaning. But for these parables, he doesn't tell you the meaning. So you have to try to discover it for yourself. Well, for years and years and years, biblical scholars said, well, this is the meaning. You and I are the man or the, or the merchant that came upon the treasure or the pearl of great price. And the pearl of great price and the treasure must be the kingdom of God because it's so valuable and so precious that we should be willing to spend all and do all to enter that kingdom because it's so wonderful. The only problem is, if you really analyze it, 
Not a whole lot of us, pastor included, are willing to spend all and do all for the kingdom of God. I mean, it's the history of our Lutheran church throughout the centuries that our members, if you tally up all the giving to the Lord, the dollars that we bring to our Lord in church, it comes between somewhere between 2 and 5% of our annual income. We need to repent of that and ask for forgiveness. But there's also a deeper meaning and interpretation of these parables. What if the treasure is you? What if the pearl is you? That would make the man who found the treasure and was willing to give up everything and the man who found the pearl and was giving up, willing to give up everything, Jesus. He emptied heaven. He emptied himself of everything. The God of the whole universe, born in a barn. The God of the whole universe, executed like a common criminal. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, St. Paul says, and becoming like other humans. And uh, by uh, becoming a human in, in appearance, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. Jesus treasured you so much that he was willing to give up everything that he had to buy you back from the punishment of hell. Not with gold or silver, St. Peter says, Luther says. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. He paid the price so that you could be his great treasure and his beautiful pearl. He paid the price to set you free. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, you have for free. Now, that didn't mean that somebody had to pay for it. The price was great. The, the price was the blood of Jesus Christ. But since he paid for it for you now, all that forgiveness and that mercy and that love is yours for free. I tell you, that is probably one of the hardest things for people to accept. I, we, we discovered that. I'm telling you, th those hot dog giveaways that we did uh, revealed so many things from people's supposed understanding of what God is all about. Have a hot dog? Well, how much is it? No, no, it's for free. Well, why is it for free? Well, like God's love and his mercy and forgiveness is all for free. And some of the people, they would take out their dollars and they'd push them on the table because they were going to pay for it no matter what. One lady said, grace for free? God couldn't do that for a person like me. You see, the message of the parables is we don't go to God. God comes to us and he chooses us, just like in Deuteronomy chapter 7. God told the children of Israel, I chose you, not because of your great number, simply because I loved you and I wanted you for my own personal possession. God comes to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, 
and we say to ourselves and to our God, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Conclude with another little, uh, you might say, parable. Little uh, illustration from a prayer book that I have at home for many, many years, written by Herman Guckel. And he tells a little story, a fictitious story, of a little slave girl back in the 1850s. She was all alone on the trading block, ready to be sold by the auctioneer. All of a sudden, a man appeared out of the crowd, went up to the auctioneer, whispered something in his ear, shoved some money in his hand, and then disappeared back into the crowd. The little slave girl was continuing to sob. The auctioneer says, little girl, why are you crying? That man just came and went back into the crowd, but he paid money to set you free. You are free. She said, sir, can you tell me where he went? I have to find him and thank him and tell him that I want to serve him for the rest of my life because he paid the price to set me free. So can't you see how the kingdom of God works? Why you are here? Why you do what you do? To serve the one who was willing to give everything, all that he had to set you free because you are worth everything to him. You are his treasure and you are his pearl. Lord, I believe thy precious blood, which at the mercy seat of God pleads for the captive's liberty, was also shed in love for me. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride with his own blood. He bought her, and for her life he died. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.